start the local recording. We are going live in three, two, one. Oh, I did it again wrong. <laughs> and we're not live. Select existing. This one. <laughs> Select broadcast and go live. Auto start is disabled. Click go. Oh my gosh. Oh, wait. Go live? We're live. We're live? <laughs> this time for sure. Let me refresh. Oh, okay, yep, it refreshed. We're live, live. I do this every time. I'm always like three, two, one, and then OBS is just like, please set up the stream. And I'm like, what do you think I just did for the past 30 minutes? I set up the stream. <laughs> we were in. We'll get it down. That's 100% in. Don't tell me to we'll set get it, it down. up. We'll get it done like on episode like 50 or something. You know? <laughs> I know. We'll finally get it. Yeah. We'll get it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so today's title Horizon Forbidden West versus Elden Ring. Orange. The battle Orange. of the game of the year potentials. Though I feel like Elden Ring is kind of murking that, that title oh, right now. But yeah, hardcore. That'll be discussed for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it's crazy. I mean, yeah, we'll discuss that in a minute for sure. But this is going to be a crazy year. Like, we still have God of War. Oh, I know. That's, that's coming. We still have Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah. Uh, a new Pokemon game, although that's usually not up for game of the year. Um, no, but it is crazy that that's already is, coming. I know. But yeah, so for everyone listening in... Um, it's a pretty light, pretty light episode today. But uh, the main topics that Tyler and I are going to be talking about on today's Calling All Nerds is basically just our thoughts on Horizons uh, Forbidden West, not Zero Dawn, and Elden Ring. And they've both been received very well critically. Uh, and it's very interesting just to see kind of the battle of how many people are playing which. Um, and then we also have breaking news from a few days ago where Game Freak just came out of nowhere and surprised the world with, hey, we're releasing another open world Pokemon game and it's the next generation Pokemon game, Scarlet and Violet. Oh, um, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stream, well, stream's doing weird stuff. <laughs> hold on. Oh, no. Wait. Okay. So for our podcast listeners on Spotify and stuff, you won't notice anything different because the audio stream is separate. But I have to end broadcast. Okay. I, I think I chose the wrong one. <laughs> the wrong. Select oh, okay. existing. Click this one. Select and start. Stream finished. Something went wrong. <laughs> Something went wrong. What? Yeah, it was weird. It wasn't. It went live on that day, but it wasn't. Uh... Strange. Yeah. Okay, wait. Here we go. So now that one. That. So the one that I had scheduled, I don't really think it did what it was supposed to do. Oh, dang. It never actually went live. Well, then why is there a scheduler? Okay. Well, I think we're live now. Like I said, for the, the audio listeners out there, uh, there shouldn't be any issues because it's a separate audio stream. But if you were watching us live, <laughs> it's all messed up. Oh, my gosh. It says that we were streamed 58 seconds ago. 
but there's no feed to it. <laughs> That's so crazy. All right, now oh we're good. We, we are live on YouTube. Sorry about that. Hey, what's up, everybody? We are calling all nerds, and you answered the call, the beacon in the sky, if you will. We are your friendly neighborhood hosts that talk about everything within the entertainment zeitgeist, and we are so excited to talk about some amazing stuff tonight alongside all the technical issues that we somehow run into every week. Every time we do the show, yep. I think it's weird. I think it's weird, honestly. <laughs> normally, because it's, it's normally my fault. Um, but it's not this time. It's YouTube and their weird scheduler. So, yeah. How do you say so. something scheduled? You go live and it still says, oh, the stream hasn't started yet. Like, yeah, it has. We've been talking for like four minutes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Well, I'll just re. I'll reiterate uh, for everyone that's joining us on the stream. Uh, so today is pretty light on news. Uh, like you were saying, Tyler, we got the battle of the game of the year contenders. We have now had within the last few weeks, two big games released horizon forbidden West and Elden ring. And we wanted to talk today on our thoughts on the games, uh, what we've played of them so far, if we've played either of them, as well as one other news uh, thing that came out a few days ago, Game Freak announced a brand new Pokemon Next Gen Edition open world style. So we'll be digging into that as well. And then, as you know, for all of you listeners out there that follow us, uh, we also talk about just what games we're playing, what upcoming games are coming out for this month, and just something that we like to give you guys an entertainment of the week, something to possibly sink your teeth into if you're interested in catching up on something else but yeah that's what we got going on this week yep, um, yep yep so i'm pretty excited about it it's uh i feel like video it, i feel like i was just telling tyler i i feel like this is going to be a really amazing year for video games finally because last year was pretty dead um outside of a few one-offs but this year we're getting all the big boys um and we're, I think even this month of March is pretty stacked too. Apparently, I apparently like Tiny Tina's Wonderland or whatever. The next like Borderlands oh, yeah. style game is coming out this month. Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that one. Yeah, I totally forgot about that one. I was like, oh yeah, that's probably another big game that's going to be um, loved by a lot of people. Gran Turismo wonder... came out today. That's a big one for PlayStation. Oh, Gran Turismo Seven. Seven. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Well. What's the one? What's the one that Xbox owns? Is that Forza? Yeah, Forza. Forza. Which okay. it's like always been back and forth. Gran Turismo was like top tier racing game. They own the market, mm-hmm. and then Forza came out and got better than Gran Turismo, and then they've owned the market for a little while. And now, um, it's still. I think Forza's still like on top because, if I'm not mistaken, Gran Turismo doesn't come out as often as it used to. No, you, know, it doesn't. you know how like a new Forza comes out almost like every year. Well, yeah. Gran Turismo Six was the PS3 back in 2013. So having yeah, so having Gran Turismo Seven come out is like pretty massive because yeah, again they, they used to rule this world. But yeah, dang man, yeah. I I, I never you know it's funny Gran Turismo. Or Forza never really grabbed me. I was always more of a, um, oh, what were those games called? Either Need for Speed 
or yeah. uh yeah the more arcade style yeah or burnout i yeah. love those songs growing yeah, burnout up is good gosh yeah burnout paradise i would play that all the time on my ps3 <laughs> um i love that game uh well do you want to jump into it with these two game of the year contenders yeah yeah for sure so like backstory max and i both are actively playing forbidden west so we'll obviously have a little more say um we were hoping to get a friend on but he is at a niece's birthday party so he's not able to join because he has been playing elden ring religiously um i have have this right prior yeah i have played elden ring um and i've watched some of his gameplay so i will try my best to give a very unbiased review because I am not a Dark Souls fan. I don't really enjoy those style of games, but I will at least talk to what I know for like, I think I've played like 10 hours of the game or so. So I will at least discuss about what I have seen and try to kind of. That's a decent uh, chunk. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I guess should we just start with Horizon? We're both familiar with it. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to start us off? Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, so. Yeah, like Horizon came out um, was it last week, I think last Friday. Yep. So it's been a solid week into the game mm. so far. It might actually be two weeks ago. Two weeks? Two Fridays ago. Okay, so two weeks in. Um, my playtime, because Peter has been playing Elden Ring a lot, I haven't been able to get too much playtime on it because he's been kind of getting on the PlayStation a lot. But I uh, have finally reached the Forbidden West zone which surprisingly could take a long time depending on how much you care about all the side stuff in the game. Um, yeah, it still still has the same stuff like um, Zero Dawn. You got the question marks on the map. You can go seek them out. There's all the different um, locations to fast travel to. Seems like there's a little bit more this time around. Uh, combat's still the same. There's a couple new weapons. Um, character flow still feels good. Gameplay still feels good. Uh, I still wish there was a lock on or better aim assist for the controller because I miss a lot of my arrows. But I mean, yeah, the game is zero dawn plus some. So it's probably like the best way to describe it. It, it. it definitely is the first horizon. And then they just added more to it. Um, Character talking dialogue is amazing. Voice acting is amazing. Storylines amazing. Um, oddly enough, Aloy is their weakest character from what I've seen so far. She has some of the most bland facial expressions and kind of boring dialogue. She's oddly angsty a lot in the beginning. I don't know if that changes. That could totally change. Maybe she has some good character progression or something. But she's I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I'll I'll, I'll share my thoughts on oh, okay. that later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she she's interesting. So far, she's the weakest character that I've seen up into, I'd say, the prologue. Because there's a true prologue where it's like tutorial stuff, and then you enter the new zone. You do some stuff in this area called Chain Scrape, and then you enter Forbidden West. I will still consider anything before Forbidden West prologue. Um, in the prologue, she is the weakest character. It's really weird. Um, but, yeah. you know, like... The game has been running flawlessly. Uh, there was a bug in the game that I think got fixed, which was around climbing. That was really annoying to me. You yes, couldn't. I had the same one. You you couldn't drop down. And when or I say that, up sometimes. 
Yes. Yeah. It was very odd. Like yeah. whenever it show the, the buttons on how to do like dropping or jumping off, it was the same button, which was weird. And then yeah. like, I would try to press and hold circle and she, she just always jump off. And I literally couldn't reach certain places because I couldn't just fall down from a ledge. She always oh. would kick off. So that was a weird bug has been fixed. That's been nice. Uh, and outside of that, you know, a, a, an occasional floating person, but it, it really hasn't been bad. So the bugs are pretty good in the game. It runs really smooth. Uh, looks great on the PS5, and I play in performance mode, so that it's focusing on frames rather than visuals. Yes. Um, the new machines are sweet, and yeah, it's like a general overview. I'm enjoying the game a lot. I think it's a, an incredible game. But what's a what's a quick synopsis on your end? How would you describe it? Oh man, I I agree with you. I this is probably one of the prettiest games I've ever played. Um, Gorilla's Engine is just absolutely stunning um i i wish more studios used an engine like this i mean it's just breathtaking i the amount of detail and foliage foil foil foliage that's the word uh that is showing on screen and at any at any given time is just absolutely amazing like i literally will like probably more so than any other game I've ever played, I just stop and stare at the environment sometimes. <laughs> where I'm, just like, I'm just like, this is beautiful. Yeah. Um, I still think you and I are roughly around the same place. Um, okay. Just because I, I only play the game when Ruthie can watch with me because she really loves the characters and the story. Mm. Um, and so she's really like, I'll, I'll get to play like outside of story stuff. I'll like kind of fill in the map and go to the question marks and do some of the ruin stuff um which there's plenty of so i i still play on my own from time to time but i don't really usually pursue the story or like side quests without ruthie because she likes seeing all that stuff um but yeah i mean the game stunning uh the one other uh weird um just i don't know if it was a bug or what or glitch that I had as well was Aloy's hair has been fixed since I think like in patch 1.06 or something where like in moments in the game, even in cutscenes, her hair will just like go all over the place. Oh, like, that. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. I was wondering. You're talking yeah. About. And um, that's since been fixed. But at the beginning of the game, when I first started it, I was like, whoa, this is like super distracting. Um, but that, that's been, been a lot better now. I'm, I'm trying to say where I'm at without spoilers. I am at this area called plain song. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's beautiful. Uh, it's this beautiful village, uh, with these people called the, uh, Utaru, um, and just the music and the ambiance of the areas. Like it, it makes me super excited because I'm not even, I think I've only filled out like a third or even like a little less than a third of the full map of the game. And I was like, man, if we have more like cities like this for the other tribes, I'm going to love this because it just, it felt so, I think one of the things I love about the game is how real it feels like, like the, the culture, like the different cultures, the people, it feels like a lived in world. Like we were, I was walking around this, this city and you see like this, uh, person who I think is a teacher and there's all these like little kids following her around singing 
And I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a cool idea to like bring. You don't see a lot of children NPCs. Yeah, you really don't. Game. And so it was really cool to kind of see, wow, like there, there's families here. There's people here uh, that have like their whole thoughts and processes. But anyway, um, yeah, the game mechanics, very much like you said, it's very Horizon Zero Dawn plus. Um, relatively nothing has really changed about the gameplay. Um, there are a few new weapons, new configurations, new attributes that you can use to uh, attack enemies with. Um, like there's acid now. Skills. Um, gil- gills? Skills. Oh, skills. Like the, Thank you. The, yeah. uh, the skills you can activate. Yeah, I was like, we get gills? <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, there's really cool skill trees uh, that you can like kind of change and kind of utilize to your kind of play style. Like for myself, I actually already maxed out the entire uh, warrior skill mm. tree because I, I really love using I like getting up close and personal. I don't know why. Bro, I, I was like aiming that. on a controller is garbage. <laughs> yeah. So much easier yeah. to melee. <laughs> Probably for me it was also because I just hate like having to use my metal shards yeah. for restocking ammo because I want to oh. use it to like upgrade my weapons mm. and <laughs> which it's kind of a catch twenty two because it's like why am I upgrading my weapons if I just use this <laughs> Um just the things I think about. Um but like upgrading your your um outfits and your your stuff like that um and so i i play very up close and personal and so having completely maxed out that skill tree i do so much damage with the spear and have these cool combo moves that you didn't really have in the first game in the first game combat like like close combat with the spear was pretty um pretty vanilla like you, you didn't really have that many different move sets i think it was literally just r1 for a light light hit light hit and r2 for a heavy hit yeah uh, and this one it's a lot more complex which is really cool uh and so now i'm kind of focusing on uh stealth uh so that i can get those silent kills uh, but other than that loving the story it's absolutely breathtaking um still not too far in so you know we still got a lot long ways to go but from what i've seen i've really enjoyed the characters are really fun um you know, Aloy, like you said, uh, she's very, uh, she is very aloof. Um, you know, she she's kind of doesn't like people around that much, which I don't remember her being like in the first game. Yeah. But, some, but something I was thinking about recently kind of changed my mind a little bit on it because I feel like what they're doing with her is by design. And so that as you continue on with the game and and journey with these characters that you meet or already know, she starts to open up and allow more people into the secrets of what she knows. Um, The thing I kind of forgot about was that in the first game, Aloy's kind of been an outcast. Spoilers for Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, if you haven't played it yet. Um, So just forewarning of that. But you shouldn't be playing this game if you haven't played the first. Well, that's not true. Watch a recap and you'll be fine. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't finish the first one. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, oh, wait. I didn't finish the first one. It's fine. Um, so Aloy was pretty much an outcast for the first, like, 20 years of her life. Like, she was, uh, she you know, she was kind of disbanded by the Nora tribe. 
And so there was a lot of anger and frustration that she had growing up um, because she thought she was different. And as the game goes on, obviously be, she becomes the savior of Meridian and everyone calls you the savior of Meridian. Every time they see you, they're like, ah, the savior of Meridian. And then she always yeah. says, how did you know it was me? And they were like, you have flaming red hair and you fight like a demon. You're... <laughs> and so it's like, oh yeah, well, I guess that's Oh that's yeah, true. I'm a badass. <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, and so like with that i think for aloy it was a little jarring you know you go so much of your life being hated by everyone to becoming the savior of the world and then also having to carry the load of the truth of what the world is when you're surrounded by different tribes and people that believe so many different things than you than you know and understand yeah and so as i see that especially now in the area of plain song that I'm in her patience is draining yeah, because she's going thin because she knows the truth. Um, and she knows what's going on, but for the people in the world, they, every tribe has their different cultures, their own gods, these things that they believe are true about the machines, about the world that they kind of just created within their own religions because of what they knew. And so Aloy's losing a lot of patience with that. And she's kind of, at least in my playthrough, she's not yet gotten there. She's very scarily thinning the line between I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And I don't care what you think to the point that it's like, you could cause a war or you could cause some significant issues for the people around you. If you don't play by their rules, which you really still should in some ways <laughs> and so i you know i i've come to sympathize with the writing of her character a lot more because i, I feel like it makes her a little more multi-layered but i will say the way she is written her dialogue the way that like i love the voice actor mm-hmm. but she's incredible always, she is but she always is just in this one cadence of voice like it's always just like yeah, uh, and they kind of they kind of struggle oh. with like her facial expression. I don't know if that's just like the game development side of thing. Yeah, she she makes very odd faces that don't match, which is it's a little odd because there are characters that have it like down pat. Like when you yeah, very charming smiles. Yeah, and like when you leave yeah. the prologue, you do talk to this like specific black man who is kind of like letting you you know out into the west you can ask this man a bunch of questions and i noticed in this dialogue specifically i mean he it it looked like he was talking and but then i noticed yeah. that like sometimes with aloy we'll have a discussion her smile is like hey i'm a robot and it's like what's wrong are you okay like is this well, intentional to show that you're awkward or like is this just weirdly made <laughs> Well, I think it's partly that it's awkward because she has like just this like straight focus narrow, narrow thought process of like, I got to save the world. I don't care about anything else right now. But I think, yeah, like whenever she smiles, it looks like it pains her. Like it's like, I was like, oh man, you're not used to smiling in this game at all. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, overall, though, I'm absolutely in love with this game. Yeah, it, it's I'm actually kind of glad 
that I'm only able to play it in like maybe like quick two bits. hour snippets at a time. Yeah. Cause I get to savor it. I kind of yeah. get to like enter new areas and just be like, yeah. Oh, this is so great. I'm just taking it at my own pace. Yeah, it's not I, a game I'm probably going to finish for a while. I think you, but, you do bring yeah. up a good point where you talked about, um, playing the game if you haven't played the other one. So yeah, I have not played the first one all the way through. Uh, I mm-hmm. was talking to Max before I bought this game that I struggled with the first one because it felt like a lot was going on and I was a little I was a little bored. I was a little bored trying to like get into the pace of things and really get pulled into the story all that much. Um, yeah. But I I did I, I would suggest for anybody who's interested in this game. I mean, if you don't want to pay seventy dollars, a hundred percent understand. Um, but maybe if like there's ever like a sale on the game or if you ever come across like I don't know like a PlayStation card from like a gift or something or things like that, there are so many videos out there that explain the story, and that's how I went into this game. So like obviously. I know a lot of the names of characters, but I haven't really seen their faces all that much because I was just, you know, watching a YouTube video, listening to the audio and stuff. But it is good to at least go into this game knowing the overall story about Gaia, the upload, her trying to find a backup, understand all the things that went on with Hades and stuff. And, you know, the general idea of what um, the Battle of Meridian was and like why it's significant, as well as what happened to a specific character named Silence at the end of zero dawn and also just what zero dawn stands for. Uh, I'd say like, I definitely suggest, but yeah, as someone who didn't finish the first one and I am thoroughly enjoying forbidden West. Um, I'm so glad. Yeah. Oh. It, it really, it, it pulls me in so much more. And I don't know if part of that is because like zero dawn's prologue was her for, she was young. She got a little older. She's learning how to do stuff. I don't know if like that felt a little bit of like a drag in a way, whereas in Forbidden West, it like you just got in and you're just going like you get a trip caster. You already know how to eat what a trip caster is and you get your hunting bow. You already know what hunting bow does. You can override machines. You know that it's like the flow is a little bit faster. And instead of being a tutorial prologue, it's like, okay, we're setting the stage we're bringing you out of the east and we're pushing you into the west and they just do it really nicely so i would definitely recommend but again it, it can be hard to justify paying 70 dollars for a video game and i 100 percent get that we are in this transition of video game prices increasing and playstation is the first one to start doing it where they're saying their games are now worth 70 dollars which is 10 more than what the normal new doll, new price tag is for video games. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And if anything, there's always people out there to watch and like enjoy the game from that perspective too. Like I really yeah. suggest if anything, if you're maybe you don't own a PlayStation, um, maybe even just like watch it. Cause it, it really is a fantastic game. And I mean, when we start talking about Elden Ring a little bit, what what I enjoy too is like the story is presented to you really well. You're not you're not confused in the sense of like you're not confused just for the sake of being confused. You're confused trying to find the answers and you'll find the answers. Um I find that some of the Souls games are a little bit more cryptic in that sense. 
Um, yeah. And then, like, I don't know, like, as, as far as what makes a game game of the year, it's like it has really good story. The soundtrack is phenomenal. I really, really enjoy the soundtrack. And Beautiful. even just the sounds of the game, like the sound a bow makes when it, when it, you know, when it leaves your air, your, your um, bow and like the way that contacts with machines, the way the machines sound, they all have different noises and like you can hear birds chirping and stuff. And like, so the sound, you know, visuals, obviously it's a PlayStation game. So like the visuals of it are phenomenal. And I mean, it's running really smooth, like right out the bat. Um, and like, I don't know. It's like, to me, a, a game of the year is something that like it's like what what in that year just like surprised people and mm -hmm. like stood out the most and that's where it gets hard to say because like it is a horizon game we knew what it was going in but the fact that it was like the old game plus even got better i feel holds weight to be able to try to qualify for game of the year uh, but i mean i don't know you know it's it's not accessible to everybody i guess per se it is a playstation only but i don't know like i i, I still think it could definitely contend for all the stuff that it has but like, I don't, like when you hear game of the year like what do you think in your head not like game specifically but like what qualifies game of the year because that's such a huge title right it's like like that game yeah. defined that year that game just did the best that year like i don't know like what do you think when you hear game of the year usually when i think game of the year um it's it's the game that year that either emotionally impacted the mm. most players um or it's the it's the game that has has brought the new standard. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the flagship game of the of that year's yeah. generation. Of like this is the game that's going to carry the year, kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, I my gut is telling me, you know, Forbidden West is definitely a contender. Yeah, um, it's going to win some awards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I don't think it has any chance of winning game of the year yeah um, yeah I don't, I don't think so either. Um, I, I i love the game uh, i love everything about it um that's not true i don't love everything about it but i love true 90 yeah, yeah. of it yeah um but i think if you're comparing horizon and elden ring elden ring has the much better chance of winning game of the year because of the i think because of the type of game it is yeah it's uh, it's, it's you know breath I call it Breath of the Wild like, you know, yeah. it, it, or, or it's really Souls. It's a Souls game. It's a Souls like. Yeah. Um, but those games right now, these these open world, not holding your hand, not really giving you much to go on. Just you're in the game and you go and you discover and you figure it out for yourself. Those types of open world games are becoming more and more beloved by yeah. gamers. Yeah. Uh, not everyone like for my for myself. Like, you know, I guess this will kind of lead us into Elden Ring. But, you know, for me, I, I Breath of the Wild couldn't grab me. Yeah. As much as, I, as much as I really wanted it to. I even bought the game because I wanted to support Zelda, but also because I was like, I want to I want to love this game. This game yeah. is so highly rated. It's 
It's a masterpiece. People keep saying it's the best game of all time. You almost feel like, bad like, like that you're not liking it because it's like, yeah. man, like this is yeah. accepted as the game. <laughs> as the game. Like it's like this this game was so successful that we're probably never gonna get another Zelda game like Majora's Mask or Ocarina of yeah. Time, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, which honestly breaks my heart because those are my favorite Zelda games. Like I yeah. love that that style, that that kind of god of war semi open world adventure game yeah but a good um, like linear push yeah and um you know those are the zelda games i love and um it, you know it's just these i love an open world game but i love an open world game that one has a very defined story mm. very defined characters um and a world to explore that i can really complete that feels like I've seen everything this game has to offer. Horizon can give me that. Games like Breath of the Wild, Elden Ring, they can give me that. It's just going to take double the time and yeah. double the investment on my part to discover it on my own. And so as yeah. someone who is a completionist, as someone who does like to see everything, know what path I'm taking, shoot, every Persona game I ever played, I literally followed a step, like a day-by-day -day guide telling me you're going to want to do this, 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 and this yeah. today so that you get to 100% at the end of the game. For some people, and it's I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum probably for the people that love Breath of the Wild and Dark Souls. For some people, they hate that. It doesn't. They don't enjoy that because it feels like they're just kind of being, they're just following a set list of things to do. For someone like me, I live for that stuff because whenever I complete that checklist for the day or complete the area of forbidden west that i'm in i'm like i've seen everything this feels so good i'm ready to continue the story let's see what comes next let's see where we're going next um whereas for something like elden ring i saw peter start it and it looked cool like mm -hmm. i i love the boss battles i think the the gameplay looks incredible i it looks super punishing which is not my thing yeah and the world looks beautiful but I was like, I would be so lost. I would be like, I wouldn't even know what to do. Like, other than just like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go off in this direction and hope that I find something that makes me more powerful and not die. And that's the point of those games. That's the point of Souls games. Like, you just get good. Um, but it's just not really for me. But yeah, I think, kind of going back to what I was saying, I feel like those games are very are resonating with gamers right now. Those are the games that are in in style. And so, especially now that we not only have a Souls game, but a Souls game that has been able to accomplish something like Breath of the Wild, I think that's like, that's a new standard that people are saying this game is revolutionary. That's why we're hearing all over the place that people are like, this is the, this is the best game in the last decade. You know, like people are saying that. Like this game has a 97 on Metacritic. Yeah. It is... It is one of the highest rated games of all time um, and probably deservedly so. Uh, you know, it, I it's just not my not my cup of tea, but I, I, um, would, I would I would never say it's not a bad game because I can I can tell it is. I can yeah. tell it's a really dang good game. Yeah, I am. Um, I struggle with Souls games a lot, similar to what you said with Breath of the Wild. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like Breath of the Wild. I bought it day one, like the day I bought my Switch, and yeah. it's not like I didn't like it. I just got bored. I got pretty bored of Breath of the Wild. I did too. Didn't really. 
Yeah. Didn't really care to finish the storyline. The storyline I thought was a little boring and stuff, so didn't didn't necessarily care. But with like the Souls games, like I've always wanted to like them again because everyone does. And the only one I've really actually played a lot about, a lot of that was a from software game was Bloodborne. And I'll be a hundred percent honest with you guys, the only reason why I did that was because I found an exploit that like made my character OP. And so I didn't have a quote unquote challenge. I like murked on all the bosses, but I had fun because I had to explore the world, but I, I didn't play the game like in its true form. So I wouldn't really, you know, like say I played it the right way. I, you know, but I guess play the game in the right way is a pretty loose term. I mean, I could buy Elden Ring on the PC and use cheats to do the same thing under like God mode and just explore the world. Um, right. But I mean, like, again, you know, like Elden Ring is it's accessible. It's on Xbox Series S, X, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, 5, PC. Like it's on the thing. It's just not on the switch pretty much. <laughs> but it's on every, most consoles that people have access to nowadays. And so the accessibility is there. Ten dollars cheaper. I mean, I, I think logistically would all it also kind of plays into game of the year of like who can get to the game and like that kind of thing, too. And yeah. then like. It's like you said, like Souls games just always do well. And I, I kind of just like feel like that's just like the thing, like a Souls games come out and it's just kind of expected that it's going to be like, you know, game of the year contender. And because of the shift on everything, want to become open world. I mean, hey, we're, we're playing an open world game. You know, Horizon is one, but it's like with everything becoming open world, it's now like, oh, it's Dark Souls plus it's open world. And I've seen a lot of people talk about how, like, oh, I've enjoyed Elden Ring. I didn't like Dark Souls, but I liked Sekiro because I had a little bit more of a story. I'm still on the fence on if I, like, really know the story, though, or understand it because I was playing it. And it still doesn't make too much sense to me. And, like, Peter's, like, probably 30 or 40 hours in. I don't think he even knows what the whole story is. I don't know if we're just like bad gamers, but it, I still don't know if it's like, it's not a story given to you like other most normal games are. And I don't say that as like a good thing per se. Like I enjoy how games typically present a story to you and I don't really care for a cryptic way of giving you story. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think that's like enjoyable and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean like gameplay mechanics feel good. It's, I mean, it feels the same exact thing as any souls games, which always like feel fine. So like, that's not new. Um, I mean like the weapons, those aren't really that new. The things that are new on Elden Ring is like, you have a horse now so you can travel around. The world is open. It's, it's not open world in like a Skyrim sense. Um, it is open world in like a, Imagine it's like, I guess it's like actually like Horizon. Like you're in zone one and zone one has like a castle in it at like the end and you fight a guy at the end and when you do, you then enter zone two. However, in that zone one, there's like multiple bosses you can fight. Technically, you could make the wrong turn and like enter end game areas where like there are even harder bosses and stuff. But the game does like push you in a sense, in a linear sense to get there. Obviously, some people are just like God tier at Souls games, so they can kill like a max level boss at like level three. 
but your typical gamer you're you're gonna find the zones that are hard you won't go to them yet you'll find your easy zones you'll die you'll come back get your souls die or they call them runes in this one you know rinse and repeat you get to the boss new zone and then you repeat it um yeah the thing that is nice is like some of the questing stuff is a little bit more presented to you a little bit better um mm-hmm. you can make like waypoints yeah well it's not like an actual quest hub but if you do just like if you find a character that's out in the wild you talk to them and if you just pay attention to the dialogue you can figure out what you should do it's like you'll see a guy that's like hey if you head out east you'll find this okay well if you just walk east you'll probably find what he's talking you know it's, it's like stuff like that that's like presented a little bit more like in your face kind of a thing uh, right. which, is, which is nice it, it really does help it out a lot and my thing though that I think is the big defining piece of Elden Ring is that it has made Dark Souls fans already love it and it has also taken a portion of Dark Souls fans who hate Dark Souls love Elden Ring and I think yeah. because it was able to do that is why it makes it a massive contender for game of the year i mean i i still don't like it i still the concept of just dying over and over again to just like learn a boss i get like dying to try to like figure out the mechanics but when something's just like that crazy hard i I just don't i don't know it's just like not fun to me i just get kind of bored i get kind of frustrated and then like the world they you know it's like you know it's big and there's it's not empty but it's just like boring traversing around i just don't I don't find it that fun. Um, it's mainly just going around to find bosses and find enemies to fight. Yeah, and, and I mean, and there's like, yeah, items. there are like hidden Easter egg items and stuff. But yeah, you're just, yeah. you know, you're coming in contact with a group of people that could like kill you no matter what. I mean, even if you're high level, you can just make one wrong mistake and you're, you know, you're dead. And I, you know, again, yeah. I just don't care for that stuff. But Elden Ring was able to get a portion of players who don't like that style and make them like it. Um, and I, I think that, that yeah, and I think that the progression is pretty fast. Like you can, you can farm runes and progress your character pretty quickly. And the horse is very OP. Um, <laughs> you're given the horse very early on and you can fight from the horse, which makes it very useful. Like you can, you could be like a, like Peter's a big sword user. And usually that means that you have low mobility and, but you hit high, like high damage. But now with the horse, he has the best mobility and he hits high damage. And like the amount of bosses that he's killed on a horse is crazy. Cause it's like, it's not that hard. So it's like, it's a it's a little less punishing in this game, which can be like appealing for some. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do just think ultimately, if you like a Souls games, you'll like this one. If you don't like Souls games, I wouldn't particularly say you're going to like this. Um, and then if you hate open world games and you hate Souls games, this isn't going to do anything. Yeah, this this game ain't going to do nothing for you. But I. I assume because of all the hype and how everybody's like reacting to it, it more than likely will win the game of the year unless like, I don't know, unless Ragnarok is like crazy or something. I mean, it has to be, you know, it's like, I, 
if gosh, I mean, how can you imagine just the the stress of like, okay, we got to top, yeah, God of War. Like, we got to top what we did in this last game that is highly declared as like the greatest PS like PlayStation game of all time. Yeah, and it's like, how do you top it? And so, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna love the game no matter what. I'm sure. I, but I do think it is going to be between Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok. I think mm. those are going to be the, those are going to be the ones that are going head to head for game of the year. Yeah. If, if I, if I, yeah, no, more I likely. And I, you know, or, or Kirby could win it. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Peter said that too. Peter said Kirby could potentially win it. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, like, you know, so in Elden Ring, I'd say I, I cleared the first zone. So I have witnessed the first zone and then I have watched uh, Peter play the second zone area. Um, don't really know how far you are in the game. Obviously, it doesn't like tell you the percentage or anything like that. But um, I'm a mage user, so I like do everything at range, which I, I do like more because I don't really like getting close into combat. I find that's where I make my most mistakes and stuff. Um, doing the mage run though, I mean, yeah, it, it feels really fun. It's it's pretty cool. The um, the bosses are like pretty entertaining. They look pretty interesting, and like you can still put down. You like draw on the ground, and you can uh, request aid, which is nice. So like a random player can like cool. come in and help you and stuff. So that's still a thing in the in the game. Uh, you can like leave messages on the ground, which is pretty funny. Some of them are like pretty hilarious and stuff. And there's like, <laughs> there's like this whole thing where everybody's saying this is a hidden wall. So you're just like constantly running around the world, smacking walls, even though none of them are hidden walls, but you still got to do it. Cause you just never know. Well, I, I remember it was like day one. I, Cause I was there when Peter, or when we downloaded it. Yeah. And that was like one of the first messages. So I was like, <laughs> people are already, Oh yeah. Game's barely been out. And people are already trolling. Oh yeah. There is um, a ton of trolls in the game. I did see one that I think is absolutely hilarious. Apparently it's all over the game, but like one message is like, you don't have the right or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't have the right to go into this area. I, I will say, even though I don't, even though it's not personally my my style of game, yeah, I will say there is something really cool about the Souls games that I really appreciate. Where it's like, uh, and I, I heard someone else say it, put it this way, and I thought it was a really well said. Where it's like, Elden Ring is a game that does not want you there. Like the world does not want you there. Like mm. like you are like you are just trying to be killed by everything that sees you and so it's like it's really kind of cool and it's like this in every single souls game but it's really cool to kind of be like you're thrown into this world you're seen as tarnished mm. or or you know nothing you're you're usually undead uh except for sekiro i think um i could be wrong um and you kind of have to to work your way up and prove not only to yourself, but to the game that it's like, no, like I'm the hero, like, or like I'm the person that's going to win this. I'm the person that's going to beat this game. And there's just something really cool about that to me. I, I, yeah. I don't have the tenacity to prove it, yeah. but 
Uh, I love the idea of it. I'm like, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, one uh, pretty cool thing is that there are more tarnished too in this world, and you see them ooh. in like dark, in like Souls games. You do meet other people who are like you, but okay. In I don't know for whatever reason in Elden Ring, like these people who are also tarnished, they seem so much more like cohesive, and you kind of like. You like resonate with them a little bit more than I felt like I did whenever I played like Demon Souls or any of the other Dark Souls games. Like all the other yeah. ones always felt like so ominous. But like these ones, I don't know, these other tarnished NPCs, they kind of like have like a little charm to them. And you like, you f- it almost makes you feel like you're not alone. And I think that actually goes into like the dialogue where they are giving these characters dialogue. Like there is a character that you you can meet, and I you know there's there's always multiple ways you can meet characters, but the way that this character was presented to us was we met this said character, and their dialogue was them saying, "Have you seen this other character?" And you're like, "Oh no!" Like, "Oh, I'll keep an eye out for that character." Right? You travel the yeah. world and stuff, and then you see the character and the one they were looking for, who is like dead now. And you notice that and you talk to them and they like, they know you've already talked to them before. And they're like talking to you about how they came across this. And now they want to find whoever killed this person they're looking for. And it was like weird. Like it was actually like a, like a character progression, like a story progression. And like, I don't know if, you know, Peter will ever come against that cross that character again. Like, will that person be like revengeful and like kind of turn evil now? Or like, Will they also die? So it's like, I don't know. It's like interesting that these, these side characters seem to resonate more, um, which is cool. It, it really does add on to the enhancements um, that they have done with this game. The one thing that I will say that I feel like Elden Ring did that's a little bit of a just like a make them seem like they're cool is the whole uh, George R. R. Martin stuff or like... Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't think he really wrote the story after I was like reading about it more in interviews with Miyazaki, Martin created the, um, what's it called? Meth mythos, the mythos the of war. Yeah. yeah like, like, like the, he, he kind of like, yeah, he set the scene and like kind of wrote out like, Hey, yeah, there's like, you know, kind of like a king guy. Maybe there's a queen girl. Maybe he kind of screwed her up. Like he kind of like loosely built just like the aura of the game. But then like obviously like the team themselves actually like filled in all the spots. And right. I'm not trying to discredit George R. R. Martin by any means. I just feel like that part was just like a look how cool we are and look who we got like working with us when I really yeah. kind of just feel like it was like, yo, Miyazaki chatted with him a lot. And so they're tight and we're just going to say he worked on the game because that'll help sell it more. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's oh. my guess after playing. Cause, sure that's what it is. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is because it doesn't feel like a style of game like just i don't know based off of stuff that he's written it just it doesn't really seem like his thing all that much but i don't know maybe maybe he's into it too i i have no idea i i can't imagine he's probably even played the game who knows but so that that part's a little a little goofy but hey it helps you know saying that he's working on your game it it, it can work it's a way to do it 
Yeah, I mean, it is really cool, like you said, like how the side quests and the characters are more defined, it seems like, in Elden Ring. Yeah. It, it does seem like this is the game that's kind of a culmination of all their previous works. Yes, you know, including sure. it's, like, it's like they're bringing in the story aspects of Sekiro, yeah. the the overall gameplay that was cemented in Dark in Dark Souls, um, the really cool, amazing boss battles and like the character models of Bloodborne. Because honestly, I, I've watched a lot of videos of Elden Ring just watching the boss battles because I love watching them. Like they're they're a sight to behold a lot yeah. of times. Um, I still think to this day though, and I don't know why I feel this way. I still think that Bloodborne looks better, like yeah. more beautiful for some yeah. reason. I don't know why I think that. Yeah. I also think the bosses of Bloodborne are so much pretty cooler. Cool. They are pretty dope. They're freaking crazy. Right? I like, still I the nightmare fuel. Like the weapon <laughs> evolution thing that they do too, where like the weapon actually like transforms. It's not just like, hey, you hold a weapon and then you two hand it. Like it does something. Yeah. Like Ludwig's great sword turns from like a little sword. And then he like attaches it to his back and then pulls out a great sword or like the cane is a cane. And then you like trigger on the, on the ground and it turns into a chained whip. Like that was the coolest feature that they've ever done. And they've never done it again. I love how they did their weapons and their boss fights in bloodborne. And to me, it's so weird that they've never like, brought some of that back but who knows maybe they want to do bloodborne 2 or something oh they yeah i'm sure we'll see bloodborne 2 i'm sure we'll see elden ring 2 um you know they've got so many different stories to tell now i mean from software probably has the budget to do anything they could ever want to do i mean like they 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 have they are one of the most successful video game studios out there right now that they could do no they could do no wrong but yeah, I, I agree because I have seen like it does look like there's weapons in this game that have special attributes like, you know, either elemental or um, super long range or yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, to your point, like there will be weapons that have these special attributes, but they don't change depending on a certain combo style that you do. Like they don't evolve or, or yeah, get manipulated yeah, yeah. outside of their special perk. Yeah, Um which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I still feel like I was more excited to watch Bloodborne than I was Elden Ring. But that for me is because I, I'm more prone to love like the macabre, like Victorian style, dark oh, era. Oh, 100%. Kind of 100%. I, I just find myself drawn to stuff like that. It's like, ooh, that looks so freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, totally agree. And like the way that... Um, the way that Elden Ring like pushes you out there too into the open world and you know it's smart that they give you the horse right away so you can traverse. I do feel like yeah. their like load zone loading zones are a lot better placed than they used to be, which is nice. Like you can yeah. you can access a resting place pretty nicely. There's there's your occasional zone where it's not and maybe maybe the later zones they do it less because maybe that first zone is really meant to just kind of like hold your hand a lot to get you going and stuff but yeah there's there's like a lot of a lot of cool stuff into it and like you know there's 
there's rune glitches out there where people can like farm runes really easily and like max their characters out if they want to just spend a couple hours and stuff and there's apparently this dragon you can kill that'll give you like 140,000 runes like right away and stuff and oh you know all these games always have like these exploits they get patched and stuff but yeah. and like you know I think with like I think with like what Elden Ring was trying to do was be like hey look like we we are done with Dark Souls. Like they've already said, there's not going to be another Dark Souls, um, right? And they're like, hey, this is like what we want to do. We want to give like a more open world. We're still sticking to fantasy. Like that's still our jam. Our character models are still pretty much the same. The weapons are still pretty much the same. But we just wanted to make it bigger. And I'd be, I think what like would be cool to see is if they did try to do any type of like quest, like not necessarily like show on a hut or anything, but even just yeah. like, like a, like a diary or something that said like, Hey, you talk to this person, this person mes- mentioned this. Mm-hmm. And like, if you go do this and then go back to them, they'll reward you like almost like you're writing something down in your own diary kind of a thing. Like it'd be cool right. to see if they try to expand on that. And like, maybe not have as many characters and the ones that they do, they like focus on them really hard and like give them character development. And one big thing that I, I noticed that Fextra life who's another uh, YouTube channel out there that they do a bunch of like game reviews and guides and stuff. Yeah. Fextra life talks about how as a tarnished character, obviously you don't have dialogue yourself, and most people would assume that because of that, you wouldn't have like character progression, though he claims that like surprisingly enough, he felt like there was some type of character progression uh, hmm. with the tarnished character. I I don't particularly know what that means. I, I guess I didn't feel like I progressed characterly just in the first zone. But again, I only played like 10 hours to the game. Um, right. So, it, but it makes me it makes me curious to see and it's pretty like incredible that they were able to make a game where you don't talk you don't have dialogue you just die and fight and die right it's like yeah but the fact that for however reason they were able to make character progression for someone like that that's cool i mean that's we talk about game of the year of like you know really showing out for the year that's huge i mean yeah taking a character with nothing, but somehow progressing them and feeling like you did. That's like when you watch people who are really good at like stick figure animation and like when they do it, (laughs) they can see emotion through their like stick figures. You know, it's like people who have that skill. It's like phenomenal. So how do you, how can you take something like that and make it feel like it's progressed? So, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think that's obviously going to support them a lot for becoming something like a game of the year. But it'll just be like you said. I, I feel like you're right. It'll be up to see like what is what is God of War going to bring? Like what is Kratos's character going to be like through the game? What's his son going to go through? What progressions will we see? What declines will we see? What you know like. And that's the crazy thing, too, is they've already said God of War Ragnarok is the final game in the Norse mythology. Yeah. Um, Which I kind of love that. I kind of love that we're only getting two games based in the Norse world. 
Yeah. You know, because of how long it takes for games to come out now. I mean, if we want prestige games, like prestige games, like Elden Ring and Horizon, these games need time. They need four or five years to really make. Yeah, for sure. And when games are now taking that long, you know, it's not like in the PS2 and PS3 era when, like, you could, like, dish out a game every two years. Like, really, when you think about it, the Uncharted games, the first three games all came out within, like, two years of each other, which is, I mean, those are still really well done, but it's, like, that was crazy. But now, like, the more technology has evolved and we're on Unreal Engine 5 and we're able to do these amazing things in video games with textures and and ray tracing and all this stuff, like, you can't really get away with that anymore. It's not possible. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you don't have really the time to do four or five games to tell a full story. You know, it's like, if you really want to tell a story that's going to be remembered, it's like, keep it compact. Like, make yeah. it two or three games, but then move on, you know? And for those of you that have played God of War, they really kind of set it up in a way of like, oh, like, we could potentially go into other mythologies here mm. like we could we could eventually go to like you know um egyptian mythology or um asian mythology like, like they kind of hint at that yeah in, in god of war which really makes me excited but it makes me wonder like will we be playing as kratos and i think the yeah. fact I think the fact that this is the final game in the Norse duology, um, and this is probably going to be like, we're probably going to see a lot of Endgame around, because it's Ragnarok. Yeah. Uh, Ragnarok is the end times mm. for Norse, for the Norse people. Like, if, you know, I won't spoil what you're going to give as like your um, entertainment of the week, but for any of you that know anything about Norse mythology, Ragnarok is the the preconceived day of reckoning mm. for the Norse gods and the world of Midgard. Like it is the, it is the end of days. And so like this, there, the, the name itself gives it this finite air of like, this is the end. And I think that that might give it the, the competitive edge to beat Elden Ring, just because this is probably going to complete that story. And I truly feel like they can make that ending something incredibly beautiful. Um, and if it's beautiful enough, it may just beat Elden Ring, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, we will see, but it'll be cool. I mean, it's, it's nice that it's only March and we're getting all this kind of content and stuff. It'll be cool to see what, what comes. And it's like, you know, not even necessarily game of the year contenders, but just, just like games coming out in general. I mean, like we were talking, I think a little bit before the stream was having like some of its weirdness and. I know we're kind of like jumping a little bit, but like one of the things that we like to always talk about on the podcast is like games coming up. And so we, we've been using the game informer website. You can go to gameinformer.com forward slash 2022. It's a very simple URL. I love it. And yeah, just like okay. looking at March is like, um, Elix two came out on March 1st, which if you're, if you know what Elix games are, it's, um, they're RPG games, they're like a, a sci-fi a sci-fi game that's from THQ Nordic. 
Um, Elix one was really good, and like Elix two came out this month, right? Max and I were talking about how Gran Turismo is, came out okay. today, the first Gran Turismo since the PS three twenty thirteen. Um, triangle strategy like a final fantasy tactics like game came out on the switch today yeah like, shadow warrior 3 that came out yeah. beginning of march and like we still have like what What are some like uh what do we still have upcoming i mean we got grant oh no never mind ghost like grant oh, the five no yeah no uh ghost wire tokyo i'm s- that looks so interesting i yeah. i'm really really kind of dig that world i love anything that's in modern day japan yeah. but like the the gameplay of that looks so freaking cool like oh, it yeah. reminds me of like it makes the gameplay made me feel like i was watching yu yu haka show yeah of like spirit gun like taking out like demons like I, I don't even know i don't know if you've seen a lot of the gameplay of it tyler but like there's this crazy elemental move you can do against like um spirits and demons in that game where like the character like throws like i guess it's almost like a like a string of life at the enemy and then he like wraps it around his fingers <laughs> that's great what Cause it's like you know it's like first person style right yeah and he just like moves his fingers slowly but surely until he like clenches it into a fist and then pulls it and the monster like explodes and i was like Whoa. that was that was freaking cool that is like, cool that <laughs> I was like, I, I'm, I'm kind of in here. I'm getting a lot of Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, vibes, and I'm all dope. in. Yeah, we got, we got Kirby coming out on the 25th. Yeah, Tiny Tina's coming out on the 25th. Um, I mean, technically, I Death Stranding's director cut. You know, like it or hate it on that game. It's like, yeah. there's a lot Crusader of stuff. Kings three. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff for March, and again, not necessarily the game of the year contenders, but it's just like. March has some good games and you know, yeah. even like looking into a little bit of what's going on into like April. Like I'm, I mean, I'm excited about the Lego star Wars games. I really like those. Like that's coming out. Um, Chrono the cross is ring. Yeah. Yep. I've heard a lot about that. The Chrono cross. That looks really cool. I'm glad to see something like those that games. come out. Yeah. Those games are amazing. Force yeah, Unleashed it, going to the switch. Like what? That's fun. Yeah. That's a fun. Those are fun games. <laughs> I know. I know. It's crazy. And then like, yeah, in May, I mean, we're getting like Forspoken, which is Square Square Enix's next mm. like open world adventure game that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. June looks like we're getting like fire, like uh, another Fire Emblem game, Mario Strikers, like another Mario Striker like soccer game. Like, yeah, there's just so many cool things coming out. And, and honestly, honestly, April on is still looking pretty light. Like we still don't know a lot of releases. Oh yeah, yeah, there's still so many like TBDs and stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure E3 is gonna like, or I don't know about E3 actually. Some some show is gonna like define out more of what's coming in the summer. Yeah, likely. But speaking of releases announced, kind of wanted to jump into our last. Right. Wanted to jump into our last news thing of the day. No one saw this coming. At least I didn't no. see this coming. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw this coming. No. Like, so Pokemon did like another Pokemon day. It was actually Sunday, last yeah. Sunday yeah. Uh, morning. And there was just this big Pokemon event. And it started out with just, you know, the normal stuff of like, here's some, you know, there's actually some cool, like, new free 
features they added to Ar- Arceus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some new like side quest stuff and stuff like that. New stuff for for Shining Pearl and and Brilliant Diamond. I think they added the additional content that people were complaining wasn't there. Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, which is cool. And then at the very end, they had like one last surprise, and the trailer started, and I literally thought I was like, "Oh, they're making another Detective Pikachu game." Oh, you thought it uh, had to Pikachu too? Couple people. Yeah, thought I was that. like, yeah. Because I played that game and I actually, I actually enjoyed it. I was like, this feels like, <laughs> Fe- I was like, this feels like Phoenix Wright visual novel, oh, but man, with Pikachu with a cute detective cap, and I loved it. <laughs> so I was actually kind of pumped. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, like I'll play Detective Pikachu. <laughs> That's funny. And then all of a sudden, it opens into this open world game, and it's the brand new Generation Nine. I think is the right yes. term. Yep, Gen Nine. Um, don't know how I feel about the game, the names. Pokemon Scarlet, Pokemon Violet. We're kind of shifting at the bottom of the barrel of names here, but whatever. <laughs> um, the new starters look amazing. I think they look really cute. Um, but yeah, like all of a sudden we are in a open world next gen game, and I think the reason people are super excited about this is because I think it's going to focus more on battling and yeah. actual like like turn-based encounters um whereas Ar- arceus i feel like is not so much about at least from what i've seen and what i've heard not so much about actual combat more so than catching and like c- completing yes. uh you know your pokedex with like certain like set rules which people love i know you love Ar- arceus like i know that you're like i want another game like this now um do, are you excited for Gen 9? Like, do you feel like this is a game that you're going to really love? Yeah, no. So, yeah, like, Legends of Arceus, to me, is like, reached my top five list of all-time yeah. Pokemon. Probably top three list of all-time favorite Pokemon games. And there's a lot about a lot about it that I like. I do like the catching, that it is catching focused, but it gives you the ability to battle. Uh, I think that part is a really good blend um, I yeah. think if they had more trainer battles, it would be like perfection because like you can choose if you want to battle the Pokemon, but you can just like I find that in the older Pokemon games, there's so many times that you're running around and you just flee from a Pokemon battle because you don't want to fight it. And like yeah. Legends Arceus really gets rid of that because like you literally can just run away or yeah. you just quickly throw a Pokeball. Keep running. If you catch it, you catch it. If you don't, you know, you're fine. Um but yeah, I mean, like when they released the trailer for, it, I was I was very very surprised because I wasn't expecting a brand new Pokemon game, at least like a core game, to come out this fast. Um, right. And like like Max said, we have we now have the the, the starters are the Grass Cat, um, Sprigati, Sprigatito, uh, Firecroc, Fuecoco, and Water Duckling Quaxley, which a lot of people are saying this is um, going to be based off of like the spain area a very big like Ooh. spanish influence into the game which a lot is of water awesome. uh yeah, yeah. It, looked really, it looked really beautiful i was gonna say i wonder do you think the graphics are gonna be better than rcs or do you think it's gonna be um, more yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see uh i think it'll probably be around the same like if it's supposed to be end of the year more than likely breath of the wild is end of the year if Nintendo does not talk about Switch 2 
sometime this summer i think graphics will be about the same everybody was like harping on the graphics a lot but like i don't know like you can only do so much with the switch with what they're doing and if you look at all the gameplay footage it all it all shows like this is not final footage this could be like alpha video that we're seeing and stuff like that and like who knows how many years they've actually been working on this but I think if they do announce like, hey, a Switch 2 is coming and like the first big games for Switch 2 are going to be Zelda and um, Pokemon. Yeah, it has the potential to really like show out graphically and like at least like if anything, performance wise, be able to show out. So that'll be a very big thing, I think, for for this game, if they're able to like pull that off. I completely agree 100%. I think, I don't know, my gut is telling me that sometime this summer, Nintendo's just going to come out and say, hey guys, Nintendo Switch 2. Yeah. Get it with Breath of the Wild 2. You can still get it on the original Switch, but the best way to play it, this. Yeah, for like best performance and stuff. Right, and I think they have to. I think that Switch is now at the place where performance on like third party games is not great. Yeah. Like they are they're their you know capability is not up to par anymore on games that are not their own, you know. Yeah. And, even, and um I think they really I think they know that and I think that they are going to do probably as little as possible to get away with like okay, well, Switch 2 comes with an OLED screen na- natively and it it can run up to 4K, you know, and just like, let's let's boost it to 2160 and then we'll just call it a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's get better performance on this machine here. I think they could do it. I think they'll, the, I think they'll do the bare minimum just because oh, that's... they always do. Yeah, that's Nintendo. You know, they, 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 they go with their own flow and yeah. people still buy their games. So why, why wouldn't they? You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm hyped for Scarlet and Violet a lot. Um, there's a YouTuber, his name is Austin Johns Plays. He has this video out that I highly recommend anybody watch if you're interested in the Pokemon games. He does one of these videos that's like 78 things that you missed in the game. And he talks about a lot of good stuff from like the trailers that he was like kind of able to deduce. Um, but one big thing that like what Max was talking about earlier, how they're going to be focusing more on battling is that if you do go to like the um the website for scarlet and violet you can see that like it talks about how this game is like bringing you into an open world but that it's like traditional style i forgot the exact wording i'm trying to find it real quick but it's like oh here we go Various towns blend seamlessly into the wilderness with no borders, which is crazy. This is like almost making it sound like there's no like loading zones per se. Um, You'll be able to see Pokemon of this region in the skies and the seas and the forests on the streets, you know, all over very, you know, how Arceus is. And then this is the part where I think it is going to go back to the traditional style of the game. Um, so this says you'll be able to experience the true joy of the Pokemon series battling against wild Pokemon in order to catch them now in an open world game that players of any age can enjoy. 
So that sentence right there saying you'll be able to experience the true joy battling in order to catch means that they're not going to do the same catching mechanics like they did in Legend of Arceus. They're not going to have, you know, making these Pokeballs and like first person throwing them and like trying to like, right. you know, hit them or anything like that, which it's kind of a bummer in my opinion. I, I, I think that catching mechanic was pretty epic, but I think because like this world is supposed to be seamless i think because it's supposed to be maybe like a little bit bigger in a way because everything's connected and hopefully performs better because maybe it's on a better switch i i think that was one of the things where it's like hey let's let's get rid of that because it's it's a lot to tackle and let's just let it be traditional style battling because it is a core game it is part of like their core series and you know, Pokemon doesn't like to change much. They're not into change all that often. Um, but so, I, I, yeah, I, I think this is going to be like the games we have played in the past. It's now going to be like open, which is crazy to think about. I mean, if if it works like the way they present it, it has set the standard of how Pokemon games should be going here on out. And I mean, yeah. they... In Sword and Shield, I mean, that game was kind of boring, but the, I forgot what it was even called, but there's like a specific area, I think it's like the wild area or something. It is where you can like, what was more open world and stuff. And like, that was the start of that openness. Then Arceus took that and expanded it and just nixed the whole like town aspect. And you just traveled down to the wild, right? So they were able to expand on it. And I feel like they've just been like on the sideline perfecting that style of gameplay without telling anybody. And it's like releasing it in little tidbits. It's like, here's what it looks like in sword and shield. Now you get a taste of what we're trying to do in legends Arceus. And now it's like, look, this is what we've been trying to do for the past, like three or four years. Here it is in its final form in Scarlet and Violet this is what we've been wanting to present to you guys for a while. So hopefully it executes well. Uh, people have a very big love hate relationship with Pokemon, but a lot of people also just like to complain. So, I mean, who knows, but I think it'll be great. Yeah. And then yeah, two years cool. from now, it's like, and here's the chibi remake of black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's, it's cool. You know, Pokemon news is always fun. It, they, it they love, throwing pokemon news out from left field man they i feel like they do it all the time and every time it happens it's like dang really okay let's go yeah i honestly i feel like nintendo likes to do that they just like show up randomly and be like here's what's coming and i love that i'm just like cool show me something good like i'm excited and they're pretty notorious for being like looks what's coming and it comes tomorrow or like look what's coming in one month or look what's coming and it's Uh, out now baby they are so notorious for it and it's so much fun nothing is better in my mind than a nintendo direct mainly because i love the people in them they are just so corny in the best way like it's like watching man children that are in their <laughs> 60s, 50s, 60s, that are just living their best lives. And they're just like, oh, let's play tennis on here. And it's like, we're like, like actually getting into it. And it's like, I just, there's just something, it makes me warm and fuzzy inside. It's like, oh, the fact that a man 
literally is named Bowser. That is like the president of the company. I didn't realize Bowser is a legit last name. Like the fact oh, yeah, that we dude. have a man named Bowser running that company is just so fun to me. It's the oh, funnest thing in the world. It's amazing. I love it so much. What a good, uh, good stuff. Nintendo's always so great, but um not a performance. Yeah. So, you know, we always like to also talk about the games that we're playing, which we have, you know, we have already touched on that for the most part. Um, we are both playing Horizon. I'm playing Pokemon. One thing I want to ask is uh, Max is playing. What is it? What is it? Tokyo Xanadu. Yep. What, Tokyo. What, Xanadu. What, what, what is that? We, we've talked about the Horizon. We've talked about the Pokemon, but for what, what we're heck? playing this Tokyo week, Xanadu. Max says he's playing Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus. I gotta know oh, what this is. You know me. You know me, Tyler. I, I always have to play some random anime JRPG. <laughs> um, so, how do I explain this? Okay. This will be great. So, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Falcom. Love the Yeez games. Love uh, Legend of Heroes, Trails games. So, I've mentioned this many times way back but um i've played all the trails in the sky games mm-hmm. i've played all trails of cold steel and uh the trails of zero games never came to the west mm-hmm. uh for the for the nation of Crossbell in the world of uh Zemuria in the legend of heroes they are officially coming to the west um both of them so it'll complete the full story oh, so far that'd be cool and the yeah, and so the first one of those uh, comes to PC, PS4, and Switch um, on September 22nd. And I was like, man, like I could play a game like this, a JRPG like this, every year and enjoy myself. And so I was like, I don't really feel like it's time yet to revisit Cold Steel. I just finished Sky, the Sky Trilogy last year. I was like, what else has Falcom made? And I looked online, and they made this random game... <laughs> call that is just a one-off like it, there's no relation to it to the rest of the legend of heroes games or the yeez games which are the two ips that falcom does and it's called tokyo xanadu and it's basically it was made right after trails of cold steel 2 so the graphics are still a little like me uh came out in like two, 2016 or something like that got no fanfare uh there's no english dub so it's all japanese stuff (laughs) fine i don't care um and it it is basically trails of cold steel gameplay uh set in modern day japan in a persona like setting so it's basically like persona 5 meets trails of cold steel together in modern day and you play as this boy named Ko, who is, of course, in high school, because, you know, that's that's where anime always takes place. <laughs> and um, you are a student by day and outside of school, you are entering the eclipse, which is mm. uh, it's, it's literally persona. You're literally like yeah. entering this, like, demon realm going through these labyrinths of levels and destroying demons and monsters. <laughs> and you're building is... and you're building friendships and relations on the way. It's it's literally Classic. Yeah, it's it's literally persona honestly the more I say it. <laughs> the more I say it out loud it's like yeah, I'm playing persona honestly. Um it's just a watered down version of persona. 
Um, but it's it's still very good. I'm it's enjoying good. myself. It, it's it's no it's not as good as Legend of Heroes, but yeah. I'll take it and play it until Trails of Zero is out, and then I'll play that and probably enjoy it more. Yeah. But that's awesome. Um, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. I love it. No one probably has ever played it, but. <laughs> I'm supporting it, so yeah, hopefully I mean, they like it. You know, I'm Googling it right now, and on the PlayStation Store, it's got 122 re- reviews. It's got a four and a half star. Um, yeah. And then, like, Metacritic gave it a 75%. Um, mm-hmm. That's very middle. So, com. this person, I want to see if you feel like this is pretty accurate. It's like, it says Battle System is about a four out of five. Uh, interaction yeah. three out of five story four out of five music and sound four out of five visuals four out of five the overall game is four out of five it is yeah. funny how you talk about it because it says originality is a two out of five which the way you describe this game oh. does seem like it's a pretty much like a copy and paste of a yeah. typical it's, style like <laughs> it's such a trope it's so, it's so there's no originality whatsoever in this it's kind of like no remember how like, like all anime is just isekais. <laughs> I, I, yeah. feel, I feel like everything outside of it being an isekai does great, but it's an isekai, so originality is just out the door. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. I love hearing about all the JRPGs. I think JRPGs is another one of those eras where I feel like I land in that zone of like I really wish I enjoyed them more because I want to like them more. Um, maybe like I. I was so much more into this fast paced gaming before and I have been slowly turning into this more just like leisurely kind of style playing like gamer. So maybe these games are going to start like really resonating with me more and I'm excited to see if they do like I've just been like in such a more chilling kind of style mood and I own a lot of JRPGs that I haven't played. Like I own a lot of the Tales games that I haven't like gotten to around to and stuff or like like tales of Vespira, tales of i have so many different tales games and like even like the ninos kunai games and like i don't know it's just like there is a treasure trove of franchises waiting for you yeah so it'll be cool it'll be cool to like see kind of like the style of games that i get into like over the years and stuff for sure and i don't know just it'll just be kind of fun but I that's think awesome. as far as like news goes, I think that's it for the podcast today. I don't I don't know if we have any more upcoming news or any big titles. Um Max and I have yeah. talked about how it's it's hype right now with gaming. It is cool. Um you know, for future sake, we are in the month of March of twenty twenty two. There are some some pretty major world news going on right now. Um I would like to just kind of talk about it just for like historical sake i'm not gonna like go into details or talk political or say my stance but we are in this weird time of like ukraine and russia and stuff and you know it's it's pretty wild and if you're if you're somewhere in the future if it's like 2030 or 2040 right now where you are and you're watching the nerd alert do their episode 17 you know be interesting to to look this uh, this event up it's some pretty wild stuff happening right now and um, what's going on in Russia? So thoughts and prayers for sure for all those people that are uh, that are out yeah. there in Ukraine battling. And I, I, I think a little bit is why there hasn't been too much gaming news. Um, a lot of companies are kind of voicing their opinions on not supporting Russia for what they're doing, and a lot of game Big companies sales. just yeah. yeah yeah cutting their sales. There's a few companies that just 
have shut down. Uh, CD Projekt Red is not uh, active right now, or they're like act, they're a company, but like um, they are, they have like some studios out there, and they're they're actually for the safety of their employees. They've just taken some leave and stuff. Um, there's a there's a few studios out there that have been affected by this, and um, but yeah, so Russia has kind of started to invade a little bit of the Ukraine. And so the gaming news has been more of like, hey, we're not selling to Russia right now. We're not dealing with Russia and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of why um, massive news has been died off. Um, obviously, there's been new games released, but it is kind of a, a sad, sad little topic going on in the world news. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully this podcast gets you some entertainment. Hopefully you enjoy yourselves and we can just finish off by talking about what we think that you should look into uh, entertainment wise i think it's funny we call this entertainment of the week but we don't podcast weekly this is probably this is yeah. this is our entertainment of the foreseen next podcast <laughs> so right. these are these are things that, that uh, max and i like to bring up they could be books tv shows um other podcasts maybe videos i don't know it could be any any type of entertainment that we just suggest uh, to try to just give some recommendations to maybe check out on your own and join us in on the adventure that we're, we're partaking in. Um, I'll, I'll kick it off on this one. Um, yeah. So the, the thing that I was recommending is a Netflix show right now. Uh, it's called Vikings Valhalla. Uh, like I said, it's on Netflix and it can be, um, or sorry, not can be, this is a continuation of, of the, I think it's just called Vikings only, correct? Like it's just the word sure. Viking. Uh, this is a History Channel show, Vikings, which is crazy. It's from 2013 to 2020. Their uh, most successful show. Oh, History hands Channel. down. I can't think. I, I didn't even know History Channel had TV shows. I thought they just had like historical stuff. Um, so Vikings, yeah. the first one follows uh, Ragnar and he, like his journey and then like the Vikings moving out into Europe and stuff. So that's, you know, I'm not going to say too much about it cause I haven't watched it, but the Vikings Valhalla on Netflix is about, um, what the British did to the Vikings about a hundred years after the Vikings had started to settle in Europe. And there was, I think it's like a Bryce's something Bryce's day. It is a purge of Vikings on uh, British soil pretty much. And they just slaughtered them, which you know, you kind of sympathize, but also that's what the Vikings did. Any, you know, they pillage and stuff. So, I mean, it's the equal, right? It's like the British came and like killed them all off and stuff, but really the Vikings kind of did it themselves. Um, but so you, you, you get to follow Lee Erickson, which if you're a SpongeBob fan, you know who Lee Erickson is. He appears and he is a main character. And it's amazing. So you follow Lee Erickson and his sister Freda as well as uh, a man named Harold, who is a prince of Iceland, I think. Um, and so you follow these three characters mainly, and you get to kind of just like see their journey. You, I mean, it's one of those, you know the destination, because obviously there's not Vikings nowadays. We don't just have people who go around pillaging. and Always oh, poorly. Yeah, so it's like, you know how it, it ends, fun. but the ride is really enjoyable. Um, there's yeah. a lot of civil struggles, 
Uh, the Vikings, as they have made their way into um, British soil, there are some Vikings who are converting into Christianity, and there are some Vikings who obviously still have what they claim as the old ways, which is their uh, pagan views of like the mythologies and whatnot. And so you yeah. do have a lot of civil struggle where some um, Christians don't want to go with the pagans and these pagans don't want to go with the Christians, but all together the, they are trying to connect is I think the, the big old, the big leader He's trying to get all the Vikings together to get revenge. And it's like, we don't care about your religion. We just want you to help us fight and get our revenge. But they care about their religion. So you see a lot of like civil fighting and stuff and a lot of politics. And it's just good, man. The combat's really good. Leif Erikson is an amazing cast. Um, Freda, his sister, is an amazing cast. She is a model who has gone actress. That blew my mind because she is a great actress for someone who has only done modeling. She's a very good actress. And then the man who plays Harald, or I think I'm saying his name right, um, the prince, he's a he's a really good actor too. I mean, the cast is, I don't know them, but it's a really good cast. Like they are very strong in their acting. So uh, if, you, if you got Netflix, check it out. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch it. I'm waiting to watch it with dad because he loved the Viking show. And so yeah. I was like, I'll, I'll watch it. This is a show I'll watch with him for sure. But yeah, I can't wait to watch it. It looks so good. Uh, well cool yeah my uh entertainment of the foreseeable future is a book <laughs> called uh uh best served cold um and so this is another joe abercrombie book so it's uh kind of following in the same footsteps as vikings in a way it's it's kind of one of those stories that um uh, you kind of know the destination is not going to be a happy one mm. um but it's a very good book so far that I've been reading. Um, it's about, it takes place in the same universe as the first law trilogy that I had actually set as one of my recommendations a few, a few months ago in a previous episode. Um, Joe Abercrombie is one of my favorite fantasy authors out there right now. And in, in my opinion, he's the master of grimdark. Um, he alongside with Brandon Sanderson and Robert Jordan uh, are quickly becoming uh, some of my all-time favorite fantasy authors, uh, and his work is just super good. It's super gritty, super rough. Uh, it's a it's a rough world that he that he writes with characters that are very morally gray, um, or just really tough people. That some progress well, some others don't. And it's it's kind of one of those series, in a lot of ways, inspired by George Martin's uh, work with Game of Thrones. Where you don't really know who's going to survive. You don't know who's going to live. Is the good guy going to win? Is the bad guy going to win? Normally, it's going to be the the morally gray characters that make it through in the end that have to do evil things to survive. Um, it's just kind of one of those very realistic views of the times, of this like medieval kind of fantasy stuff. Um, but anyway, it's a story about this woman named Monza. Um, who lives like the book is a single book, single story um, about halfway through it. And it takes place on one of the continents of this world um, that uh, kind of is uh, Spain kind of like is kind of like a fantasy style of Spain, kind of like how Pokemon Gen 9 is going to be set in Spain. Um, And it's, it's honestly like fantasy kill bill. 
uh you know it's uh this this woman uh is this general she's led armies and mercenaries and she's basically won this entire country uh in the name of this grand duke that she works for and for her prize for doing so he becomes jealous of her notoriety because she's become this person that is beloved by the people um and feared as well because of her prowess with the sword uh she's unbeatable in this nation and so she is taken to the general to congratulate her for winning him the nation and she is attacked and pretty much like almost killed uh by six men um who are all including the duke uh they like maim her they like break her sword hand uh, and then they throw her off a cliff um, and she survives. <laughs> and the whole book is her, like the first third of the book is her recovering and what's holding her tight to life is revenge and just like wanting to get back at these six men that have done this to her. Um, and as the book goes on, she's just slowly but surely taking out each of these men. Uh, that have done wrong to her, Jeez. and uh, and so I mean it's a very basic story, yeah. you know. It's it's, yeah. it's revenge. The book is yeah. literally called "Best Served Cold." It's revenge, best served cold. Like it's like, um, but sometimes I love something a little easy, something that's like, okay, I know what this is. It's a tale as old as time. I think what makes it really fascinating and really fun to read is she finds a a troop of people to help her kill these men. She finds a master poisoner. Um, a brute, a Northman, who she eventually starts falling in love with. Um, and she she starts to question, is, is this going to make me feel better? Like, is this going to bring me back to who I was? Yeah. Uh, because one of the characters that she has in her employ, uh, whose name is Shivers, um, he's the Northman, he has uh, in, in these books... People from the north, uh, they call um, they're called named men. So you don't have a name unless you are a great warrior. And he is a named man, and so his name is is Carl Shivers, and um, he he's kind of her somewhat moral compass. Like he's helping her kill these men, but he's always questioning her. He's always like, "Is this going to bring your hand back? Is this going to be? Is this going to bring your happiness back?" Because she, she, you're constantly in her frame of mind, and when she kills the first of these men, um, she's she, in her mind. She's thinking, "I should be enjoying this more. I'm not feeling anything." Hmm. And so it's like it's one of those things where it's a very tragic story of like, is she going to fall into this area of revenge, like to the point where I could totally see her killing all six of these men. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, and becoming the leader of this nation, take the throne herself. But is she going to be? Is she going to lose herself in the midst of it? Knowing Joe Abercrombie's writing, that's probably exactly what's going to happen. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> and then she'll probably show up as a guest character in a later book, and we'll see what happens to her story then. But I, I love it. It's it's absolutely fun. It's popcorn. It's it's a great revenge story, uh, and I highly recommend it. I I recommend all of Joe Abercrombie's books. His if you like grimdark, if you like some edgy fantasy, uh, you can't get, you can't get any better. Oh man, 
The books that you read are dope. You find like the coolest book series. I always love hearing what books Max recommends. He got me into the Miss Porn series and I am loving it. I love the Cosmere. Uh, all right, people. That's, that's a great answer. That was a solid podcast. Episode 17. Uh, as always, we thank each and every one of you that uh, come and listen that either watch us live or, you know, just want to hang out on Spotify later. Uh, as always, you can find us on YouTube. We do have our Calling All Nerds uh, YouTube channel where you can see, uh, or actually it's called Nerd Alert. Sorry, we have our Nerd Alert uh, YouTube channel. Descriptions yep. and everything are always found uh, in our video tags and stuff. You can listen to us on iTunes, on Spotify, and on Simplecast. Um, we never, I don't know, we, we try to at least get them out once a month of anything. Sometimes we'll do them a little bit faster it really all just kind of just depends on what Max and I have going on. But we always appreciate everybody hanging out and uh, chilling with us and stuff. So hopefully you guys enjoy it too. And we shall uh, see you next time. Yes. Everybody have a great night. Thanks for joining. Peace. Bye.